The title of my sermon tonight is called He Gave Gifts, and I've never even thought about ever preaching this, but the more I prayed on it, I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to talk about? Because I've been doing prayer in Bible school, and everyone's like, mom was like, just keep teaching on prayer. And, but then this other thing came up, gifts. And so I think that a lot of times when these ministers come, they're bringing a supply and a gift, and a lot of times it's me, like the other night, Pastor Mark was here, and you know, you're doing a lot, you're going you know, hard and working, and you're in the ministry, or you guys have jobs, and then, you know, they come in on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and um, I felt like, you know, he called me, or his, Pastor Ken goes, hey, Pastor Martin wants to know if you're coming out tonight, and I said, yes, I'll be there, you know, like, you like I have a choice, <laughs> he's expecting me, and I felt like the Lord, and um, my best friend went with me, and Osel went with me, and I felt like the Lord started dealing with me. Um, don't see it as that you know you're just going to hear another sermon. Actually, look at it as I've given gifts to the body of Christ, and there's something I want you to have and get. And if you look at it different, you'll receive differently. And I was like, oh, okay, because something happened that night. I didn't know Pastor Mark was going to do this, but um, he was talking about um, healing and not really physical healing, but a lot of times emotional healing, past healing, and he went and laid hands on everybody. And I don't know what happened to me, but when he laid hands on me, it was just like the peace of God just came over me. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about spiritual impartation and what's happened when that happens. But a lot of times I think as growing up, and I know as a church body, we think like this because I'm a minister's son. I think like this. All we do is go to meetings, mom and dad. Why are we going to all these meetings? You, you got to be kidding me. We're going to go, we've been to meetings for four nights and then we're going to go see another minister this weekend. Like, what is this guy going to say that's going to help me with my life? I need to go to bed. I need a break. I need to go play some video games or something. You know, <laughs> I need to like go veg. But I started looking at um, those a little differently when the Lord started teaching me on this because I didn't, you know, and, I've, and I know that you're getting the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. And there's impartations and things. But just recently, I started studying more about it because I, man, I was like, man, I've been in a lot of meetings, and I'm like, Lord, what is this doing for me? And I started to see a lot of uh, changes. I started to see my faith growing, but I wasn't seeing exactly how it was happening. So um, he started teaching me on this, and that um, it's not really just a waste of time for us to come hear a good sermon or, you know, hey, if I have time, I'll be there Monday night, or if I don't, maybe not, you know, whatever. I got other things to do. And the Lord started saying, there, there's actually, these gifts are from me. Why would I put the five-fold ministry in the earth if you didn't need them? Why would I put the evangelist, the pastor, the prophet, the teacher in the local body if you guys didn't need to get gifts? It says he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. So if, you know, we can, you know, if we don't need them, why did he put them? I mean, you know, Jesus, that's Jesus. He gave them. So he must have known what he was doing to give them. Or else he was just wasting his time. Oh, you know, I'm giving you guys gifts, so I want to take up your weekend. Give you guys something to do so you're not out of the bar drinking, but maybe you can be here on Friday night listening to Brother Jonathan. That way, you know, I don't think that's what his purpose was. God, the Son of God, saying, hey, there's actually a real purpose for this gift, and I want you to be there to receive. And so that's what I want to talk a little bit about tonight. So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. The first thing um, I'm going to, the first thing is the anointing on the man of God is transferable. And now in the New Testament, it's actually transferable on the laying on of hands. 
um, David really didn't do anything until Samuel came and poured the oil on him. But now, fast forward to the New Testament, how is that? It's the laying on of hands. is actually the transfer of the anointing. And that's what I realized the other night. Pastor Mark laid his hands on me, and he's done it so many times, that I'm sure that every time he's done it, and I'm going to, Rick Renner, I have a little piece in his book that I'm going to read, and he talks about how it actually establishes you, and it increases the gift of God on your life as you continue to be in those meetings with the anointing and growing in God. So, number one, the anointing is transferable, 2 Kings chapter 2, that verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah to heaven by a whirlwind that, a, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Here's another story like Solomon, he's doing over the required amount. Um, think about if dad, you know, being my spiritual, says, son, I want you to stay home. You're not coming with me. I'm going to an important meeting. And I, and I, you know, and Elijah goes, absolutely not. I'm coming with you. Whatever you're going to get, I'm getting it too. There's been times that I did that when I went to Israel. Mom and dad were like, we're going to Israel. You're staying home. <laughs> I went to God and said, this isn't fair. I'm going to Israel in Jesus' name. And I, you know, I was like, man, if we teach this faith stuff, I'll walk around the office confessing the word. Dad goes, well, yeah, you know, you can confess the word, but you can go next year. Your confession will get you there next year. You can go. Well, I didn't know that Mary Fran was going to come and write me a check for whatever the amount was to get me there. And that same year. So I went with Dad. So there's times I think you can override, and I'm not, I wasn't being you know, rebellious against my father, but it just wasn't the money wasn't there. And I said, whatever you're going to get in Israel, I'm going to get it too. So Elisha says, the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord's going to take away your master from you today? And basically he says, yes, I know. Keep silent or shut up. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here. Again, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving your side. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha, basically said the same thing. Verse 6, Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, I'm not leaving your side. Now seven, fifty men, the sons of the prophets, went and stood facing them at a distance. So they followed him. So it's like the prophets that were in the school, the prophets knew what was going on. They knew he was leaving. But somehow they weren't as close to Elijah as Elisha was. And I don't think they're paying the price that Elisha paid. And 50 men, they went and stood facing them at a distance. And while the two of them stood by the Jordan, Elijah took up his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided that way. I thought that's pretty cool if you take your jacket, roll it up into a hot dog and strike the water. But Elijah did some crazy stuff. You ever read the stuff that Elijah did? And he's Old Testament. I was telling this in the Bible school the other night. I love reading the story of him. He called down fire four times. One time with the prophets of Baal. Three times at will when Ahab's son came after him to capture him. Um, he outran a chariot. Uh, Ahab's assistant said, I don't know, where, you know, when he came down, he says, I'm coming to see the king. And he said, Elijah, you say that, but then sometimes the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will whisk you away. So he was transported in the Spirit. And he's Old Testament. I mean, he prayed and the rain came. I mean, the man was just, I mean, on behalf of Israel, the man did amazing things. And so, but he's all Old Covenant. Think about a new covenant person with the Spirit of God and Jesus in them, why are we not tapping into this? What, did, what was Elijah doing 
without the Spirit of God in him, I mean, he had the Spirit come on him, where he was able to perform these things that, that God, and I believe it has to do with the closeness that he walked with God. And you can see that how Elijah walked close to Elijah. And so Elijah took up his mantle, divided the water, and he crossed over, and he says, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha says, please lend me a double portion of your spirit on me. And he says, uh, you've asked a hard thing. The double portion in Jewish law was for the firstborn son. It was he was going to receive a double inheritance. Actually, it was a double money, double, you know, of their father's, uh, all his land, his livestock, his gold and silver. Double went to the firstborn son, and then the rest was divided up between the other sons. So Elijah, Elisha actually viewed himself as Elijah's firstborn son, in a way, like a spiritual son. And he says, I want the double. I'm sure Elijah said, you know, <laughs> I'm not your daddy. <laughs> but he said, nevertheless, you've asked a hard thing. Um, and he says, if you see that I'm taken from you, it'll be so. And if, not, if you don't see me, then it won't be so. It happened as they continually talked, and suddenly a chariot of fire appeared. Horses of fire separated the two of them. Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw them no more, and he took them, or and he took off his, uh, he tore his own clothes into two pieces, and he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen on him, went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle that Elijah had that had fallen on him, struck the water, and said, Where is the God of Elijah? And when all... And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed down on the ground before him. So now, there's, or they said, basically, now we're your servants. So one thing I noticed about the scripture is that Elisha got the anointing by following closely. Not 50 men sitting from afar off watching, going, we're going to watch Elijah go up today. And the Lord began to speak to me that sometimes it's not that you're, you know, you're chasing these men around, going to every meeting, and that's not what God's talking about. But the times that they do come, get into the meeting. Get close to them. The Spirit of God is on them. The anointing is on them. Not, and so you see how he got a double portion of whatever the spirit that was on him because of, he said, I'm not, I'm not leaving your side. I mean, one time, you know, and I know Mark Hangins isn't here a lot, but he was just here in Florida for a, a long time, and I said, you know what? I really just need to sit and hear faith for a while. Just get my mind right. It's all screwed up sometimes with just all the stuff in the world. So I went to a lot of the meetings, and I, I got real tired after a while, but I went to a bunch. But something happened to me after I went and just following him around closely has, and, and, I, and sometimes you have to watch online. I get it. He's in Louisiana. There's times we watch online. But I feel like with the school of the prophets, there was a lot more they could have had if they had to follow closer. It's almost like they're like, oh, we'll stay home and watch. We'll watch Elijah from a distance go off into heaven. I don't see the need to be so close to the guy. I can get it from here, what Elisha's getting. Well, obviously that didn't happen. And, it's, and I feel like that that's kind of, um, it's not just always a close physical, but close in your heart. You're, when, you know, when you're, like let's just say Mark Hankins is teaching online, you're listening to him. You're, and then when he is coming into town, you're here and you're listening to him. There's a, you're gravitating towards what he's saying. You're receiving 
the word with a, a good heart, sowing on good ground. And I believe that um, that was the difference between them. But Elisha, my main point was, what else is funny is there was more prophets. I think there was like 7,000. 50 showed up to watch Elijah go up. And only one got the double portion. So out of all the 7,000 that, um, I forget the men who preserved them because Jezebel was trying to kill them, only 50 had went and followed. So to me, uh, you've got to be where the anointing is to get it. You're not going to be, I mean, those other prophets stayed home. I'm sure they got the news after that Elijah had went up. Um, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 22. And uh, we're going to, I believe this is about David. This is a great story. Pastor Mark preaches it all the time. But I love how the story starts. Talking about David's 400 men. I think if you go Kings, if you just go back a few pages. I tested this the other day just to see because sometimes even in my own, I've been I was saved for 30 years and I'm like, where in the world is 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. He's running from Saul. And his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, and they went down there to him. And everyone who was distressed and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and, they became, and he became captain over him. There was about 400 men with him. So I noticed a few things here. They went down to him, and then they gathered to him. And David's now being the captain over them. So they're getting close to David. They're going to hang around David. Um, they didn't stay home. And so if, you, if we jump to 1 Chronicles 29, just now you go to the right a few pages. And think about these men started with David. All, they were all broke, discontented, in debt, depressed. Basically kind of the lowest of the low, and David's now their captain. And you get to First Chronicles, and I'm skipping the whole end of their life. And First Chronicles 29 is obviously the big scripture about the offering that was given. Furthermore, King David, this is verse 1, said to the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and he's inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but it's for the Lord. Now for the house of the Lord, my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things to be made of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron. Um, we're going to jump all kinds of various stones and marble. Verse 3, Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of the Lord, I've given to the house of the Lord my God over and above all that I have prepared for my holy house and my own special treasure of gold and silver. And so he goes into 3,000 talents of gold, uh, 7,000 talents of silver, and if you, and then if you keep going, verse 5, gold for the things of gold. And then at the end of verse 5, it says, Who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord? Then the leaders of the Father's house. That's what he called them um, back in 1 Samuel 22. It actually says the leaders of the Father's house came to David. And the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and, and hundreds with the officers over their king's work, offered willingly. So, I think David's men got out of debt. Actually, I was looking at it, 7,000 
um, pounds of, of talents of silver is, this is what it's saying here, is 500,000 pounds, and it's worth $30 million. This is what just David gave. This is his over and above on top. And um, 3,000 talents of silver, which is 250,000 pounds of gold, 837 million dollars. So G David gave about a billion dollars. And I, don't, I was trying to look for what his men gave because I think it was two or three billion dollars. So at first, you see these men coming to David. They came to him. They put themselves around him. They made him the captain over him to listen to him. And now, First Chronicles 29, they're given over a few billion dollars as a group of men. So you can tell that because of the anointing that was on David and that Samuel poured that oil on David and then his men gathered around him, the anointing got on them. The same giant, I mean, it talks about, you know, his mighty men, you know, the dad tells a story about the, the in Hebrews, the one of his mighty men jumping in the, the pit with a lion and just ripping it apart. All of his men had the same exact thing that David had. So really, who you're going to be around, the same anointing is actually going to come on you. Dad said when Brother Hagen left, uh, when the men would go to Ramah, everybody that walked out of Ramah, a lot of them taught like Brother Hagen, preached like him, they all prospered like Brother Hagen. And um, Mom was saying the other day that Pastor Mark, he was leaning over his truck, and she said he looks just like Papa Hagen did in his older years. Just being around him all the time, just the way that he kind of leaned over. And mom showed me a picture of Brother Hagen doing that. And he looked just, it was just, they did, they kind of had the same characteristics. But for so many years, um, Brother Hagen came to Mark's church. Mark traveled with him, being around him, listening to the word, receiving it from him. And it was the, the same anointing that was on Brother Hagen, got on Pastor Mark. And so that's what I'm saying is that when we see these meetings, think of it as the anointing is going to get transferred on me. And we're, that brings me to my second point, is that the blood, um, actually, I was going to skip, but I'm not going to skip. The anointing is transferable. We're not going to skip. Also, the blessing is transferable. 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. So now we're going to go back a few pages in your Bible. I use my computer a lot, so, but I'm trying to use my Bible more, like pastor's been teaching. I'm trying to be a doer of the word. Amen. Um, 1 Kings 17, 8 through 6. So the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. For I have commanded a widow to there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came at the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and called to her and said, Please bring me a little cup of water that I may drink. And she was going to get it, and he called her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. I see that I'm gathering a couple of sticks, that I may go prepare it for myself and my son, that we'll eat and die. Elijah said to her, Do not fear, and go do as I've said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterwards... Make some for yourself and for your son. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. Amazing to me how for her to get her miracle, he's going to send a man of God, a prophet. 
So going back to God gave gifts, the fivefold ministry. View them as when they come, they're bringing a gift. They may be bringing your miracle to you. It's not that if she would have, if them two wouldn't have been in the same where the Lord told him to go to Zarephath, and he's told the widow, I'm bringing somebody to you, and he told him, I'm sending you. So there's obedience on both parts here. But it's not that she just sat home and listened to worship music and listened to Elijah preach online. Uh, Elijah went to her and she received him. And, when, and so there was actually a physical place that they met. And that's the whole point that I'm really trying to get to. Is that show up to the meetings. Because there could be something that God is going to get to you that you, you may not get it. You're probably not going to get it any other way because it's, you're seeing in His Word that these two people are actually in a physical place together. And um, so, and obviously the, you know, the story is, is that she's you know, she's about to die anyways, and I guess she's going to eat her last cake, and Elijah says, give it to me. And because he understands what the anointing that's on him, she's going, she's thinking naturally, oh, I think I give it to you, I'm just going to die quicker. I'm like, you're already going to die. Might as well, like, do something different. You're already on your way out. Try something new. So that's what she kind of thinks, well, I'm already dying, I'm going to bake him a cake, and when she did that, her oil never ran out until the time of the end of the famine. And so... But there had to be a meeting place for both of them to come together for her to get the blessing, the transfer of the anointing. And so that the next one I'm going to do is 1 Kings 18, 1. So you're just going to look right over. And it came to pass after many days the word of, of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go present yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a, a severe famine in the land. So, here we go again. God wants to bless Israel. He wants to pull them out of the famine. What does He do? He sends a prophet. So, Elijah actually has to be obedient. And thank God that people like Mary Francis, Pastor Mark, Jonathan are obedient to go to the churches. So, the Lord said, I'm going to send you, Jonathan, to Word of Life Church. There is something going on there and I want you to bless them. So, it's actually a big deal I mean, we think about it now that if, you know, oh man, I'd have loved, we, we went to Israel and it's like, I would have loved to have been there if Elijah was there. And when he, you know, came up into the prophets of Baal and he's doing the cleansing, he's going to kill them all and they're going to clean the land and God's going to send rain. But think about it now though. We're here now with prophets, that with evangelists and prophets, Mary Fran, and a lot of, and a lot of us do show up. And so I'm not saying that because a lot of us are, are here during the meetings, but I think that what I'm trying to do is turn our heart maybe to be a little more expectant on when they do show up saying, I'm going to get the anointed. I'm going to get the blessing when they show up, like the woman. And not just, well, hey, it's Monday night. We're going to go see Dr. Varallo again. Um, I went and, we went and saw her the next day. No, she flew home and she came down. Um, oh, I can't tell that story. Is Ocell in here? All right, I can't tell that story yet. Actually, I'll tell this story, but I'm not going to tell. I'm, I'm going to have a cell tell a story after. So we went Saturday, or no, it was Monday morning. It was my day off, and I told Dad, "I was like, we're going to go see Dr. Brawl," and he said, "Yeah, we're going to go see her." So we go out and see her, and she does this random thing sometimes where she just says, "I want all the pastors to get up. I'm going to anoint them all with oil." So we all stuck our hands out, and she takes the oil and. She puts crosses on everyone's hands, and then we sit down. And she says, now I want all the people of the congregation to stand up. I'm going to anoint everyone's forehead with oil. 
So she anointed everybody. In the, and there wasn't a lot of people because Monday morning, not a lot of people showed up. I'm thinking, man, that's amazing. I don't know what happened, but I know that God gave gifts and I was here to receive it. And the people got blessed and the ministers got blessed. But we actually had to get out of bed early Monday to go get it. Be in a physical place where she was. And, and you know, Dad, me and Dad were talking and he says, you know, it's my day off, but it's Dr. Varallo. And we, we're going to honor her. We're going to respect her. We're going to go see her. And so, you know, for that. But at the time, I, I just thought she was going to, you know, teach. She may prophesy to a few people, and then I'm going home. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get home at 4 o'clock. And I've been in so many meetings with her now that I'm like, I'm used to seeing what she does. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know what she's going to do. I didn't know what she was going to do that day. And I'm glad I went. And the Lord started dealing with my heart. Stop, look at these meetings a little differently than, you, than you've been looking at them. Instead of just going, you know, hey, this is great. We support her. We love her. We honor her. No, go and expecting that something's going to happen. Because it did happen. So um, Israel was blessed because the prophet showed up. So let's do um, Ephesians 4.8. Ephesians 4.8. Right before Colossians, after Corinthians, after Galatians. And it's, it's the more I've been praying on this, it's actually been opening up to me. And it's cool how all these years I've never seen this this way until the Lord started teaching me about it. Ephesians 4.8. Um, actually, we'll start at verse 7. I think it... To each one, a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, when he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it first mean? He first ascended to the lower parts of the earth, who descended, and is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, and some for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, actually this means a mature man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would no longer be a child tossed to and fro, carried about with every which wind away with doctrine and trickery of men and the cunningness, cra cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. I think I did this in the amp. I want to read this in the Amplified. It says, but when he is... Um, Let's see, I'm going to start on the Amplified. I think I did that on the Amplified for you. Verse 11, the gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock and teachers. His intention was is to perfecting the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministry towards building up Christ's body of the church. That it might be, that it might be, that it might develop until we all obtain oneness in faith and in the comprehension, a full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive to a really mature manhood, the completeness of the personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in Him. So, really, he's really expounding, saying, I want the body of Christ to grow up, to be perfect, to be knit together, that you guys are going to go out and do the work of ministry, but I'm going to give you these gifts 
And these gifts are going to help you do this. They're going to help you with your life. They're going to help you get to that really mature part of Christianity. And like when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, I'm, I can't give you any meat yet because you guys are still babes. You're fighting like cats and dogs and you're, you're in all kinds of strifes and contentions. And I would love to take you to a deeper place of ministry and further, but you can't yet. And so Paul was sent there to help what? Grow them. And um, that brings me to my third point is you need a company. You need a company of people. And I'm just going to quote this real quick, Acts 4.23, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported that all the chief priests and elders had said to them, Now all you guys are a part of this company. Most of you guys are, I think every person in here is a very faithful person. But he's saying that there is a, a place, a company, where you're going to meet. And so, number one in that company is, obviously, you're going to have the man of God. There's going to be much prayer needed for the man of God and the ministry gift. And I was teaching last time in the Bible school how you pray for him is praying for him to have a door of utterance. And so, really, even though we have a meeting place and a company, um, God gave gifts to men. And like Mark Hagen says, God didn't give sheetrock to men. So, the number one most important thing, like I said, is, is now I'm thinking more, take care of mom and dad. The ministry gift is way more important than the building. I think sometimes we get wrapped up going, oh my gosh, we need to do this and we need to do that and this isn't right in the building and, this, and then, you know, pastor's working his tail off and mom's working her tail off or, you know, or just things are happening between them and the people. And the real thing I think we need to protect is the ministry gift because that's what's actually bringing the blessing to us. It's not necessarily the building and sometimes... You know, I, I get so much wrapped up, I, you know, like Solomon, I want to make the house of God beautiful and lovely. But really, the most important thing is when these people come, and like when mom and dad come, or when Pastor Mark comes, that we're really honoring and taking care of them, because that's the real gift. Yeah. This is just the, the company, the place we meet. Yes, we want it to be beautiful, but don't ever put the, the building above the, the gift of God, which is actually in a person. So really value people and the gift of God that's in them and, and, and people around you. So number one is going to be the gift of the person of God, the man of God. And um, I think in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, you can put it on the screen, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to the end and persevering in supplications for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is saying here is pray for me. Because if you pray for me, I'm going to be able to boldly declare the mystery of the gospel to you. That's going to benefit us, hearing the things we need to hear to accomplish the things we have. So um, praying for pastors, praying for ministry gifts, praying for the, for the five-fold gifts of the ministry. I've been praying a lot for Pastor Mark, um, just over his health. And the Lord gave me some dreams one night, and I saw some things, and I was like, oh, that can't be right. The guy's got to be a, you know, a tank. He's, you know, he just preaches every night. Well, then I talked to someone close to him, and they said, yeah, he actually just went and got checked out. Doctor's been telling him, you know, he needs to do this, do this, and that. I said, oh, I guess that's why the Lord had me praying for his health. Because if Satan can stop that ministry gift, think about how many people he's touching in the world right now. And so pray for ministry gifts. Pray for people always like, you know, I love it when I go, like, Pastor Mark, lay your hands on me, lay your hands on me. You know, I want to get, you know, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Um, <laughs> that's how we are sometimes. But I realized that the Lord, the more I started praying for him, the more he started opening up dreams to me that me and Pastor Mark in these dreams were doing stuff. And I'm like, man, maybe in the spirit, I'm like helping him out, you know, with his ministry. I don't have any idea. But 
I'm starting to take the five-fold ministry a lot more serious than I have. Not just, I'm here to hear Pastor Mark, but I'm actually, now I'm praying for them. I'm partnering with them in prayer. I'm praying for mom and dad a lot more in their health because really the blessings like Elijah came to Israel through him, through a person. You have a ministry gift inside of you. And I'm going to show you that um, about Stephen. Because Stephen was not in the five-fold ministry. But, I mean, he didn't last long. You know, if you know what happened to Stephen. But he, was, he went out with a big bang. <laughs> Um, so the second thing is actually oh man should I jump down actually I'm going to stay true to my notes I want to I wanna jump around oh no it's right here uh, right before I'm going to do this corporate body is next the ministry body which is us um, Acts 2 1 through 4 Acts 2. Man, you guys are quiet tonight. Or maybe you're just really listening to me. Or maybe you guys are falling asleep. I'll tell Dad, yeah, they didn't make a sound all night. We had this guy in Bible school. He was an older gentleman. And he was so monotone. And he would just, well, today we're going to look at Matthew 2, 15, and, you know, I mean, that was, I slept during every one of his classes in, in Bible school. And uh, I'm sure he had a lot of good things to say. <laughs> Just pretty boring. And uh, Ashley told me, she goes, you can't sleep during Dad's Bible school class. He's so loud. And, you know, and his dynamic changes that you're just, you could be sitting there and then you're just, he'll say something and just like, he just snatches you out of whatever, whatever dimension you were just dreaming in. <laughs> Dad will say something and pull you right out of it. So we thank God for, for that, for that gift. Um, Acts 2, 1 through 4. Day of Pentecost had fully come and they were all in one accord and one place. So they all met somewhere. Suddenly, a sound from heaven came, and a rushing mighty wind, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, if everybody was stayed home that day, there would be no rushing mighty sound wind. If everybody was going to watch Facebook Live that day, there's going to be no, I mean, God would have to do it over the whole city of Apopka. And then it, it, people call, hey, did you hear that? In my I heard that in my house. You know, no, they were all in one place. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They got a blessing being together as a corporate body, praying in the Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is manifesting when they're together. So that is the, uh, the corporate body is very... Um, we're going to go to 40, verse 47. It's very um, vital to us reaching the lost... Verse 40, and with many other words, you're just going down the page a little bit, or one page over, and with many other words testified and exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized in that day, and about 3,000 souls were added to them. They continued steadfastly in the apostles. So they stayed together. They stayed going and listening to hear them preach. Doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers, they, the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders. So think about this. Now, first they're gathering together. They're staying with the apostles. They're eating and drinking together, and they're doing services. And then it says, many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now, all who had believed were together, had all things in common. 
They sold their possessions and goods, divided them to anyone that had needed. So continuing daily, in one accord in the temple, breaking bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord then, He added to the church daily those who were being saved. So it's like as the people had gathered more and daily and praying and thanks and going house to house and and communing and being with the apostles and preaching. Now the Lord's adding it would say one time five thousand and it would say three thousand. So really, these services that Pastor Mark and Jonathan's doing that are coming up, these see these as that this is for vital church growth. It says. Then many signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles. And then God added to their church. So it's almost like that, you know, we need to be coming to these services expecting not just, oh, you know, I don't really feel like it tonight. I'm tired. I'm going to stay home. Well, no, this is how the early church had. Everyone's like, I want the acts of the, the early church. Well, this is how that we're going to do it. And it's going to be, um, like Brother Hagin says, when he would go to pray, and how, when he, before he had eight visions of Jesus, he would spend extended time in prayer. He'd put his flesh under. He would go down to the church and fast and tell his wife, I'm not going to eat tonight. Tell the kids, don't come get me. I'm going to pray tonight. And for like two weeks, he just, every night, went down and prayed for hours. And then Jesus took him to visions and revelations. And then Jesus appeared to him eight times and said, I'm going to appear to you now. So there was, he, put it, he had to put his flesh under to go to that deeper place with God to start experiencing it. And everybody knows that Brother Hagin changed the world. And I don't believe he changed it. He really changed it by what he, what he sacrificed, I believe, in his alone time. It's what you do when, when no one's looking, when you're at home, when you're by yourself, and you've got free time. Um, I've been pushing myself a lot harder to pray. And I'll pray, and it'll be one hour, and I think it's been three. You know, I'm not saying that, like Dad says, you're not, um, when you're, Praying the prayer of petition, you're not praying or praying for salvation. You're not praying a long time for people. You're just praying the word. God, open their eyes. God, Holy Spirit, draw them. But when you're praying for the will of God on your life and for the, the move of the Spirit in this church and for God's will to be done, we're going to spend some extended times praying in the Spirit for that to happen. And so that's going to take a corporate body. It wasn't a one-man show. The apostles didn't do it outside of the people. They weren't a one-man band running around getting the whole everybody saved. No, it says that they together, that means that every person gathering, breaking bread, fellowshipping, it's going to be a part of everybody. It's not a one-man band. It's not just a pastor. Or it's not just Mark Hankins is going to do it and make it happen. It's all of us together. And Willis is saying, or Willis is just stretching. I thought he was really liking the sermon. Um, let's go to Acts 6, 1 through 10, because I want to look at Stephen. I don't think Stephen was an apostle, and maybe Lenny and Frank can tell me because they're more schooled than I am on, on some of these terms. But it, to me, it looks like that he got appointed over the business side of the church, is what it looks like it says. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. There are twelve... Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, um, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we made a point over this business. 
But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's what I said last night. As a minister, their biggest fight is going to be giving yourself to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And saying that pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, Holy Spirit, and Philip and a couple other people, verse 6, <laughs> whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. The anointing, the blessing was transferred on them. They had to be in the place. So when Mark Hankins comes, he says, I'm going to lay my hands on you. Just go get your hands laid, hands laid on you. Um, Shirley made a funny statement one time. She said, I ain't no fool. If God's giving something out for free, I'm going to get some. <laughs> I think as my religious mind, I've always been like, I've been, I've been saved. I don't, need to, I don't need this. They, you know, the new people need this. But then after I heard that, that was really humbling because I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been saved 25, 26 years. I ain't no fool. If God's given something for free, I'm just going to go get it, even if it's nothing. You know, at least, if, you know, if I miss a few shots, at least something's going to hit. So I, I thought that was a, a great, but he was saying here, so obviously the apostles were there. Fivefold ministry was there, laying hands on them. So they actually had to be present in the place. And so here's what happened. Now, Stephen, it says, for the, for, we're going to point them over this business. So to me, it was just the everyday needs of feeding the widows and taking care of the people and whatever, the business of the church, probably changing lights and toilets and what Poppy does, helps me with. You know, it's like me just, I'm going to lay my hands on Poppy and then he's going to go take care of the needs of the church. He's going to bring some eggs for some people. He's going to go, he's going to fix some, you know, he's going to feed the widows. He's going to feed the, um, the, the poor and, and help, he's going to help. That way we can stay continually and the ministry and the word and prayer, he's going to go do the everyday kind of minuscule task, as we think. But here's what happens. That's why I'm saying it's not always, don't think of it as the apostles are doing everything. Stephen's not an apostle from what I'm understanding. He's just kind of an everyday layman. Everyday guy that's just, hey, I'm going to help out of the church. So there's hope for, for a lot of us. Stephen, being full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So basically, um, I'll read a little bit more. Then there arose um, from some was called the synagogue of the freemen, uh, the Criterians and Alexandrians, and those from uh, Sicily and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom by, and the spirit by which he spoke. They secretly induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came on him, seized him, and brought him out to the council. And so basically, um, Stephen was stoned. But amazing to me that how everyday layman comes to a service, he's faithful, it says that he was a faithful man, he was full of faith, and um, he had a good reputation, and they laid hands on him, then uh, power and great signs and wonders, verse 8, among the people. View these services as that when Mark Hankins lays his hands on you, if he does, and when he does, because you know how he is. Um, when Jonathan, if he calls you and lays hands, or to be present in the services, be ready, expecting to receive something. Um, there was a, the, you remember the, um, the men, the two, the, the lame men, when Peter and John were going up to the temple in the third hour to pray, and he said he looked on him expecting, 
expecting to receive something from them. He said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have, I'm going to give it to you. So at least they were expecting something. And they got something way better than, you know, a few coins. They actually got his healing. And so you're going to have to expect to receive something. Uh, Stephen, I mean, he got, to me, uh, the everyday person can do great signs and wonders among the people. You don't have to be Mark Hangins or Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Just be in the place where they're teaching and their anointing is and the blessing and the transfer and let him lay his hands on you. And then go out and, and then do the will of God. So, um, you're going to get what you expected. The lame man got, he got, I don't think, he got way more than what he expected, exceedingly abundantly above. The woman with the issue of blood, when I touch him, I'm going to be made whole. That's what she said she was expecting. Uh, I'm just going to read this real quick, put it on the screen, James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. For not let that man suppose that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. If you show up to these meetings not expecting to get anything from God, you're not going to get nothing. It's just doubt. And so start saying, I'm going to, when I'm coming to these meetings, I'm going to get something from Pastor Mark. I'm going to get something from John and the Shuttleworths. I'm going to get something on Sunday when I go. I'm going to get something Wednesday when I go. I'm going to get something maybe when I go to a, go down to the river. Just start expecting God to, to give you, to transfer whatever gifts that He wants to give you. Um, let's see where I want to go with this. Uh, Acts, well, I'm just going to, I don't want to go here because we don't, well, we have a, we have a few minutes. Acts 8, 20, 60, 40. Thank you, Zach. Man, I got, the, I got the, the cheer squad over here. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Acts 8, 26 to 40. Now, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. So Philip having to be obedient. So there's going to be a part to play on both sides. Arise and go southward to the road which goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, an Ethiopian, an Enoch of great authority under the canons of the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit of the Lord said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I understand unless someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. And the places in the scripture which he read was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shear is silent. He opened not his mouth in his humiliation, and his justice was not taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from him? The Enoch answered to Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself, or is it some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the Scripture, preached Jesus to him. And as they went down to the road, and they came to some water, and he said, See here some water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, Do you believe with all your heart? And he answered him, says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and him went down into the water and baptized him, and he came up. The water of the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Another, here we go again, Philip's an evangelist. Enoch's reading. You have one man going to another man. This is a five-fold ministry gift coming to this man. And he's saying, I'm reading this word and I'm not understanding what it means. There's a lot of stuff we're reading, maybe in the word, and we're not understanding what it means. So, here when they come, come to the meetings. 
come here because there's a physical place both of you are going to have to be to get what he's saying. He says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to he's saying, who is, this? who is he talking about? And he says, well, this is Jesus Christ. So he's explaining to him these scriptures. So a lot of times the revelation of the word that we're looking for is going to be in meetings. It's going to be when the evangelist comes, when the prophet comes, when the minister comes. Um, I would love to say that, you know, I, I read a lot of Rick Renner, but I'm telling you, I think just hanging around Pastor Mark, I've gotten more being around him in his physical presence, going out to eat and hanging out with him, or being around Dad, spending time in his presence, than just watching stuff online. So there, there you have it, an evangelist, um, there, there's a physical place, a physical person. Um, Paul says, I'm going to make known the mystery of the gospel. I think it was in Ephesians. So you need a person like Paul. He's going to make known the mystery of the gospel. I think I already said that. Um, it's always good to have a reminder. You never say it. Mark, um, Brother Hagen preached on Mark 11, 23 and 24 so much that Jesse Duplantis says, well, Brother Hagen already wore this scripture out. So I figured there's nothing else I could say on it. Actually, I'm going to take a side journey. And because that he said it so many times, people thought, I've heard Mark 11:23 preached every way. Well, interesting enough, Brother Jesse was preaching, and he said he was filling up his old car, and he, um, the Lord, he saw a jet fly over, and the Lord says, I want you to have a jet. He said, God, I can't even afford to put gas in my car. And he said, do you remember in Mark 11, 23, and 24, when I said for you to believe those things, what you say? He said, I told you to believe for the thing. I didn't tell you to pay for it. problem with believers is they're always trying to believe and then figure out how to pay for it. He said, I just want you to believe for the thing. I'll figure out how to pay for it. And so I thought that was really neat on that scripture that just, you know, um, and thank God I was watching him online, so praise God for that. The revelation came. <laughs> and if Brother Jesse ever comes, I'm going to his meeting. But I thought that was a really cool explanation of Mark 11:23. So now in my prayer time, I'm not trying to figure out how to pay for stuff and get it to happen. I'm just, okay, God, if you told me to do this, I'm going to believe you for it. And you're going to take care of it. You're going to pay for it. Let him, let him do it. I mean, salvation's already impossible. The gifts of the Holy Spirit's already impossible, but doable. He always, Brother Jesse always says that. It's impossible, but it's doable. With God, all things are possible. Let him pay for it. Quit trying to figure out how all these things are going to happen in your life. And you're like, okay, I'm believing God, but you know, if I save up this much money and then I'll do it. It's just like, no. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and that gives me to another story uh, the part with my message, we were, I was with Pastor Mark, and he says, why don't you come out during a camp meeting? And we only go out twice a year. We don't do three times a year because that's just a lot of traveling. And, you know, Mom was like, well, you know, we got a lot going on. I think we're going to stay home. And he was like, well, no, I'll fly you out of my jet. So Mom goes, hey, I know we're going already out there three times. You want to go out again? I said, you know, if he's asking, we better go. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be tired. Well, I didn't know that when I went out there, I was going to be coming home with a truck. So, being in the place with the man of God, being around, listening to the word, and I was, I was like, hey, let me, I want to serve you, I want to wash all your trucks, and I did that, went over there, and I washed all of his trucks, and then me and him started talking. He's like, so when are you going to get a new truck? Blah, blah, blah. I said, ah, you know, I'm believing God for, and he goes, why don't you buy my truck? I said, oh, Pastor Mark, I don't like that truck. I said, that, that's a nice truck, but it's a Harley Davidson F-150, it's not my thing. I said, but... I like that Raptor. He goes, oh, you want my Raptor? He goes, oh, that's my wife's favorite truck. He goes, I can't sell my Raptor. So anyways, we was talking to a bunch of ministers. Then he comes back. He goes, all right, 
I'm going to sell you my Raptor. And I said, what? I said, Pastor Mark, I can't afford that. He said, no. He said, um, what can you afford? I said, are you serious? He said, I'm dead serious. So I'm so glad that I just said, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm tired. I don't want to go to any more meetings. I've been to a thousand Mark Hankins meetings. We all run, dance, jump in the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, shout. I'm like, we're going to do it again this week. And that's the way I viewed it. So we're just going to go run, have some Holy Ghost meetings. We're going to dance. We're going to throw some money in the offering bucket. I'm going to come home broke. <laughs> I'm going to have to work extra hard to save my money back up. But I didn't know that there was actually a real blessing that was going to be. And I'm glad that I just didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't even know. So I'm glad that now I'm starting to have a little bit different perspective. Um, so Romans 1.11, I think it's the last thing I'm going to do real quick. Because Rick Renner talks about imparting spiritual gifts. Uh, we all know that Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power. He told him to go to a place. Uh, Acts 2, they were assembled with, in one place. The Holy Spirit fell. The place was shaken. Acts 5, 12, through the hands of the apostle, they were all in one accord at Solomon's porch. So they were all meeting at Solomon's porch. So, there, you know, that just... I'm driving the point. I think I'm, I'm, I'm kicking the horse now because it's already dead. But I'm driving the point home that um, there's gifts that God's going to give us. And there was one scripture. You remember the centurion when he said, um, I think he was, was he praying for his, he wanted his, one of his men or his daughter to be made whole? Oh, Matthew 8, 8. I'm going to read this real quick. He says, Lord, I'm not even worthy that you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed, for I am myself as a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one to go. He goes. Another one comes. He comes. I tell my servant to go. And, and he does it. Jesus heard this and marveled, and he said to the following, Truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. What was the centurion expecting? He was expecting that Jesus was just going to give him a word, and, his man, and the man was going to be healed. So he showed up to Jesus, show up to these meetings expecting something from God. And Jesus said, wow, all I have to do is just say the word. And so um, just when these, start praying about it. Lord, what do, you know, start asking yourself, what do I want from these things coming up? What do I, what do I want to do in my life? What are, what's been God been putting in my heart that I haven't done yet, that I haven't seen yet, that I want to do in ministry? And so... I'm going to start, I think, from myself with Pastor Mark, just writing some things down. But 1 Peter 4.10, um, this is Rick Renner. Every man hath received the gift. Uh, that is not it. That is definitely not it. July 20th, here we go. Romans 1.11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you would be established. Uh, we see earlier... But the Apostle Paul in our May 20 gym was deeply yearned to meet the believers in Rome because he believed that he could spend time with them or perhaps that if he could lay his hands on them, there would be a spiritual impartation to them. As we discussed, the word impart in Romans 1.11 is the Greek word uh, metadoni, which means to transfer something from one to another. The only reason Paul would use this word is that if he believed he had something inside of him that could be transferred to the Romans. Paul believed that what he had in himself... And he was sure that if he could get it to them in person, the spiritual substance that he carried would rub off on them. As Paul continued in Romans 1.11, he made it very clear regarding what he wanted to do, what he wanted to impart. He uh, specifically stated that he believed 
um, that he would, if he could spend time with them, it would result in an impartation of a spiritual gift to them. The word gift in this verse means charisma, and it's derived from the word charis, which means the Greek word for grace. And charis becomes charisma. It actually means given or imparted by grace. That's why people call themselves charismatics. Um, indicating that they claim to be gifted with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or at least that the place of a significant emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit is the expression of, their, of worship. Uh, historically, the word charisma was used to describe the moment when the gods graced or donated supernatural ability, favor, and power to an individual. Thus, the word charisma meant a gracious gift. And it's exactly how it would, should be interpreted in the New Testament. A person would receive a charisma and, and receive a donation or an enablement from God that equips him in some kind of supernatural manner. Thus, when Paul wrote that he wanted to impart a spiritual gift to the Romans, he was saying that if he could see them in person, God would impart a charisma, a divine gift to them. Paul continues to say, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you would be established. The word established comes from the Greek word, looks like steroid, but it says stera, sterodos. So, uh, yeah, ster steroids. <laughs> yeah, we can get some God steroids. We'll be good. We'll be working out. God gave me a spiritual gift. You know, I'm, now I'm doing twice my weight in the gym and all, everybody be looking at me. Actually describes something that's fixed solid, like a column that holds up a roof of a house. It could also be rendered a brace, a store-up, a bolster, a support, an uphold, and is fundamentally described as the act of adding strength or a support to something that already exists. So he's talking, he says that every time that um, he would go to a meeting, he said it was like that somebody would drive a stake deeper and deeper into Rick, to where he would be more established, more firm, he would be strengthened and stronger, the spiritual gift you know, it says that they would, would get stronger on him. And that every time he would leave, something different would happen to him. So, um, and, but like he said, Paul says, when I show up in person, I'm going to impart a spiritual gift. So I want us to just to think differently. And I think mainly that came from my own life. Because of, we travel so much, we go to minute, we go to things so much. And you get tired. And then you work, and you got school, and you're thinking, what's the point of all this? Well, there's a spiritual gift for you. There's an endowment from God. There's a supernatural, a divine thing, gift that God wants to put inside of you. And if you receive it by faith, I believe you'll, you'll, receive it, or you'll see it and receive it. And so I, just, I think that maybe it'll help us change our perspective of the meetings. That it, they're, they're not a waste of time. They're not, um, they're not just something else we have to do. But, man, something is going to happen. We're going to get something. We're going to get a spiritual gift that we hadn't had yet. So, I believe we're going to see it in this church. We're going to see the, we're going to see the acts. Um, anyone's ever read that book by John G. Lake? What is it called, Frank? Adventures in God, I believe. Thick book. In the book, he talks about that he sees an angel around Christmas time in Oregon. And he said to them, I think their last conversation, and the angel was talking to him, and he said, what is it that this generation needs to see that would fulfill every hungry human heart. The angel opened, grabbed the Bible out of him and says, Acts 2, he says, contend for this, strive for this, for this and this alone would actually fulfill the hunger of the human heart and actually would bring a revival. And so he was saying Acts 2, 
was what the church needs to strive for. And so I believe we're coming back to that. You can go home and read. That's basically the Holy Spirit fell on. They prayed in the Spirit. They prayed in tongues. And I believe that the church is coming back to that. So that's what we've been praying and believing God for, that we're going to start seeing. I mean, I've grown up in church. Um, it can get boring just listening. But now it's like, I want to see something. I want to see some things happen. I want to see signs and wonders in the heavens. So I want to see some Stephens do some full of the power of God. So we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We praise you tonight uh, for just the spiritual gifts, the fivefold ministry, the, the people like, that are coming, that we're not going to take them lightly. We're, we're not going to say, hey, I don't have time. I'm busy. But actually view that as we're going to get a spiritual gift from you. We expect to receive from you. We're expecting these things. We're getting ready for them. We're excited. And we're going to be at all the meetings, Heavenly Father, and expect your best blessing in the name of Jesus for the times that we're in. Amen. I love you guys. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.